You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Welcome to episode 65 of Three Geeky Ladies. We're back. I'm Elisa Paselli, and with me today are Vicki Stokes. Hello. And Suze Gilbert. Bonjour. <laughs> it's been a while because after we recorded the last episode in May, two days after that, I took off for Italy. And as soon as I got back, Suze took off for France. I did. And Vicky, you went to? I Santa Rosa, local, but, you know, I was hanging with friends. A state Yeah, that's still very nice. Yeah. Still nice up there. Yeah. So why don't we just get started? Tell us about your trip, Suze. Yes. Why don't you tell us about Italy first since you had the first trip? Okay. <laughs> well, now I have to remember there was so much that happened. Um, you've flown Lufthansa. Right, Lufthansa, Lufthansa, Lufthansa. Yeah. I never can say it. I love it because free wine. A, oh yeah, baby. Yeah, what a fabulous airline! This is my first international flight. I've never left. I've never gone across the Atlantic to Europe. My first European trip, and my husband's as well. We drove down to JFK in New York City, and we took Lufthansa, which one of those words I just can't pronounce. And we didn't even know we were on a plane. All of a sudden, we looked out and said, hey, we're in the air. It's the most comfortable airline I have ever been on. You had you didn't feel it taking off. You didn't feel it land. Mm. It was great. What's, it was, what size plane was it? It it was big. There were, let me remember now, there were three, was it three people in the middle? And two, no, two on either side? Or three and th- three, three and three. I forget now. It was big. There were a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And uh, my husband, who's usually asleep before the plane even takes off, did not sleep a wink in either direction. Oh, wow. And we didn't get to Germany until five in the morning. So how long was the flight? Seven hours. Mm. We left at four o'clock Eastern time and got to Germany at 5 a.m. their time. Mm-hmm. Watch three movies, and like Suze said, free wine, free brandy, <laughs> hot towels. Mm. I'm like, oh, thank you. Very comfortable. Great flight. Mm. And then from Germany, we had a two-hour layover, had to go through customs, which was kind of weird, the way they did it there, and then we flew into Venice. Mm. Now, I never knew that there was no, no motorized vehicles in Venice. Mm. There's no cars. Yeah, it's a tourist. It's literally a tourist city, from what I understand. There's, it's made up of 117 islands, mm-hmm. and you cross all these little footbridges. Mm-hmm. So it's a very walkable city. Mm-hmm. And the way you get in and out is either by train or by water taxi. Mm. So I just found it interesting because I did see schools there, but I'm thinking, what do you do if you have to go to the hospital? How do people get around if they need to go locally? Mm. You know, just outside of Venice. I don't I don't really know how they do things. And it's very strange because 
it's not laid out in a grid like a lot of cities are. Like New York City is laid out in a grid. So it's very easy to say if to get from point A to point, point B, walk three blocks, make a right, walk two blocks, make a left, you're there. Not, not here. It's little alleyways. And how do you say, well, go down three alleys, make a left, go down another alley. It's not that simple. There's no grids. Mm. So it's... It's, it's difficult in that respect to give directions. So we just kind of walked around and the quote unquote downtown area of Venice was where you had the most people. Mm. But it was, they had a really nice fish market. We saw the next day, we got there on a Wednesday. Thursday, we were walking around and there was this, really, like I said, there was a really nice fish market, the most gorgeous produce because everything has to be brought in. So the people, the restaurants, they went down, they were buying their fish, they were buying their produce. Really beautiful, reasonably priced. The other thing we noticed the night before we had gone to dinner and we were with my husband's family. So there was eight of us and then friends, a couple of friends joined us in Rome. So there were 10 of us at that point. We went to dinner and on the menu was something called scampi spaghetti. (laughs) We thought it was spaghetti with a scampi sauce, like a shrimp scampi sauce that we would be used to in the United States. Oh, no, 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 no. They came back and they brought us a plate of spaghetti with this, like, fish staring at us. Oh. And we're looking at it going, what the hell is that? And it looked like a cross between a lobster and a crayfish. And it was really disgusting, to be honest, because we don't like fish. We like shrimp and that's it. We don't like any other kind of fish. But we cut it open and it tasted kind of like a lobster. Mm -hmm. It was the weirdest thing. So when you see scampi on the restaurant menu, it doesn't mean scampi as we know yeah scampi is a type of fish <laughs> it was it was just like we we still have nightmares about it I mean, it was we knew anytime we saw scampi on the on the menu we look the other way <laughs> something that they do not do in italy at all is they don't put butter on the table no they don't so they, they don't in bread. france either and we're looking around saying where's where's the butter and they looked at us like we had three heads like, you dumb Americans, we don't do butter. Mm. We said, oh, burr is what they call it. It's like, okay. So we just ate, we ate it dipped in oil. Mm. They, uh, they don't split bills. No separate checks there. Mm. And they look at you with the evilest of eyes mm. when you mention that. So the, what we did is we would look at the bill decide how much everyone owed and just hand them all different credit cards and say, okay, put this much on this card, this much on this card, this much on this card. And that was our version of splitting the bill. They didn't mind that? Nope. They were fine with that. But they wouldn't say, okay, Vicky, you spent $20. Here's your check. Suzanne, you spent $100. I I don't don't know restaurants did that. I always just hand out, we all just told them like what you said, the amount that goes on the thing. Um, See, some some restaurants here will give you separate checks. Oh, yeah, separate bills for separate meals. They, oh, okay, I get that. You said, separate, yeah, you said separate split check. the bill. Well, I, I, I well, thought, yeah, separate check. You know, okay. they won't, they wouldn't give us separate checks. Okay. Just for the uh, whole, just a check for the whole table. Okay, I, right. I, yeah. They would give you one, but then we would look at it and say, mm. you know, there's four different couples, four different credit cards, because none of us wanted cash. We all put everything on our credit cards. Yeah. So we would leave cash for the tip. That's the other thing. Tips are different there. They, they charge you a sit-down fee. Mm-hmm. Every restaurant had a different fee. You would look at the menu and it would say $6.50 Euros per person sit-down fee. Like, what? Mm. So basically, each couple was spending $13 just for the honor of sitting at the table. Wow. But 
that was basically considered the tip. Mm. So you. But if you had like a three hundred dollar bill and you just paid thirteen dollars, that's not enough. <laughs> well, no, that's per couple. Still, that's still not yeah, enough. Well, wait a minute. Wait. Wait a minute. Th- don't don't forget that in Europe, especially France, um, many places it's service compris. And the waiters, the servers in Europe make a wage, unlike here where they get, what, $2 an hour and rely on tips. Yeah. They, they get everything included. I mean, most, I know in France, I mean, if you get exceptional service, we always leave like a euro or so. You know, yeah. we just, if we get a coffee, we'll leave, you know, some centimes or whatever. But, um, but you, that's just a different mindset compared yeah. um, with Americans versus Europeans is that the servers can actually make a living um, on, on, on that job where here, you know, they, they can't, they rely on tips. So it's just, it's just a different mindset. That's all. But if you actually because- look at the bill, you will get charged more if you go outside and sit outside because that's a premier seat. So you can, you know, look at people rather than inside. So those are just the differences, you know. Yeah, yeah. And the custom in, in Italy is 10%. Mm-hmm. So that's what we would do because we had that fee to sit down, which is considered a tip, and then you leave 10%. So those we left in cash. We yeah. always made sure we had cash for that. And then, of course, we had tour guides and we had um, bus drivers taking us because this was a you know an actual tour that my sister-in-law had set up going all through Italy. So, and that it was basically, you know, a euro, no, 10, I think it was 10 euros per person per day, something like that. So we just made sure we had cash to hand out to all these different people, which, which was fine. Um, Venice is very walkable, like I said. Um, the, it's, just hard to, it's just hard to find things. So we also found that the alleys, like the alley where a hotel was, the front door was in the alley. So it was hard to find. And as we're walking with our suitcases behind us, the alley was getting narrower and narrow, narrower so that we could barely fit one person wide going down these alleys. Wow. But the thing I noticed is there's no overweight people. <laughs> you have to walk. You, were, you have to walk. If you were overweight, you weren't from Italy. Mm. Everybody was on the smaller side mm. because they walk everywhere. Mm. A lot of walking. And the other thing I noticed, cigarettes everywhere. Mm. People smoked like smokestacks. Mm. That's why they're thin. Yeah. Everybody smoked. Yeah. So there was a lot of that. Um, let me see. What else? So then we went to Florence, took a train to Florence, walked around there, took a day trip to Tuscany, where we went to Siena. And if you've ever heard of the Palio horse race, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. that's we we were where we were where it was held. Uh, very, it turned out to be unusually hot. It was in the high eighties, low nineties, which even the tour guys were saying, "What? It's never that warm that early in the year." So it's pretty warm. Siena was our favorite. Very interesting place. Um, they they have like separate communities, and the communities are called you know. This is the snail community. This is the rhinoceros community. This is the turtle community. But the turtles don't talk to the snails. So if you live in the snail community and you date someone that's a turtle, nope, can't date someone who's a turtle, they don't get along. 
It was just funny listening to the mm. to the history. There was a baptism going on at one of the churches, which, of course, being Italy, is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Churches everywhere. Gorgeous, gorgeous churches. Just unbelievable. The architecture is unbelievable at these places. Um, I don't think you have to be religious. You could be an atheist and still appreciate the beauty of the architecture and the paintings. Mm-hmm. In these in these cities, just just unbelievable. Rome, we went to the Vatican. The Sistine Chapel, I can't even begin to tell you. It's the our tour guide took took a book out and she sat us down for about twenty minutes and she went through the paintings on the ceiling and explained what their meanings are. Because to me, a painting is just a painting. I don't see anything other than okay. There's there's a man standing there. But then they would explain, well, because the man's foot is pointed to the left, he's pointing at the past, and his foot pointing to the right means he's looking at the future, and the apple in his hand means he's not hungry, and you know all these different things. And we're like, wow, I never saw that. I just saw a man standing there holding an apple. So that was really interesting, because what they do when you go into the Sistine Chapel is they basically, you're like a herd of sheep. They're like, okay, get in, and like hundreds of people are all going through at the same time. And you're trying to look up, and you're trying to look at these beautiful paintings and read the story. And it's like, okay, keep moving, keep moving. So you really don't have a whole lot of time to appreciate, and you can't take pictures. So it's not like you can just point your picture up there, your camera up there, and just take picture after picture and look at it later. You have to try to get it into your mind's eye. But the Sistine Chapel is just Suze, you would just go nuts. That was going to be on my list for next year because you were thinking about doing Italy, but we're going back to France. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, it's just incredible. The, 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 Uffuse, the Uffuse in Florence, we, we only went for a couple hours because it's just too big. And the tour guide just showed us certain paintings. It's just when she would tell us stories of what these paintings mean, we would look, my husband and I would say, I didn't see that, but now I do. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Um, um, St. Peter's uh, Basilica. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And again, if you just put the religion aside, mm-hmm. I don't care if you are anti-religion. Just appreciate the beauty for what it is. It was just amazing. Now, I have to say, though, Rome was my least favorite mm. of all the cities. Commercial. It's incredibly busy, very commercial, though it is pretty cool that... You have this amazing building, or you've got the Spanish steps next to a modern store. So that that part is pretty amazing, and you know the Roman Colosseum. Oh my God, it's still standing. You know, and then the stories of how they built these structures. You're like, wow, this happened thousands of years ago. They didn't have computer technology. Mm-hmm. They didn't have all the the equipment that we have now, and it's still standing. Mm-hmm. It's it's amazing, and the same with Pompeii. Just looking at the, looking at those buildings and just saying, "Wow!" Mm-hmm. And we went to Herculean, which is also like similar to Pompeii. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. You know, Positano. We were at Sorrento, um, Amalfi Coast. Just incredible. Did you visit any uh, uh, vineyards? We went to a vineyard, and I can't remember the name, but it was down in Chianti. Mm-hmm. After Siena, okay. we did that. Um, one thing about Rome that I cannot repeat what my husband said. Um, 
the cars, they don't believe in, in stop signs. <laughs> it's a suggestion. <laughs> We'd kind of like it if you'd stop, but if you don't, that's okay. <laughs> the only time they stop is at a traffic light. Well, if you're trying to cross the street, you can't always go at a traffic light. So they do have a lot of um, uh, crosswalks. Mm. So one day, my husband and I, we, had, we went out by ourselves and we're walking and the cars just weren't stopping. And finally I said, okay, I'm going. And I put my hands out and I started walking and the car stopped. Mm-hmm. And he's just looking at me with these wide eyes. <laughs> and, and we got to their side and he goes, you got a set of fill in the blank. <laughs> like, you know, I learned from watching other people across the street. I just have to go. I mean, I wouldn't go if the car was running top of me, but if I saw the car was about three car lengths away, I started walking because they have to stop. Yeah. If there's somebody in the crosswalk, they have to stop. And the only way was to just get out there and walk yeah. because those cars fly. And the little Vespers, for, oh, in and out, in and out, in and out. They, they go in between cars. They go around cars. We would just watch and just say, okay, there is no way on the face of the earth, I would ever drive in Rome. Mm-mm. No way. You think New York City's bad? Nothing. Mm-hmm. New York City is the ruralest area you've ever want to see, driving-wise, compared to how they drive in Rome. I don't think New York City's bad, actually. I like driving in New York. The only pain that it is in New York is, you know, every other street is a one-way. That's the only irritating thing. But logically, it's, it's very um, well thought out as far as the city Manhattan is, anyways. Right. It's, Easy it's, to find your nice, way around. Right. It's a, ni- it's a nice grid. So is Tucson. Oh. Tucson's a great grid, too. And I think Chicago, too. But driving in Rome was just awful. And then driving to, like, Sorrento and Positano, that was when, if you're not religious, you are there. <laughs> because there is nothing between you and plunging into the water. There's nothing, and these and these, but we're on a tour bus, and he's got he's got one hand on. I mean, he was a really great guy, but he's got one hand on the steering wheel, and one hand on his iPhone, Ugh. chatting chatting away because there's no laws, and we're just going, oh my god! One one of my husband's aunts goes, put your phone down, two hands on the wheel, mm-hmm. because it we're, there's no guardrail, and even if there was, what difference would it make? We're just looking, going, oh my god. So that, that, that part was a little, little scary, but I mean, Positano is beautiful, very old, very old school. You're in this little village and it, it's just kind of weird because you're in this little village, you're walking down what looks like a footpath and there's shops on either side. All of a sudden there's a church and a car beeping at you to get out of the way. It's not the street like we're used to here. So it's very different. Um, the other thing we noticed is there's um, the restrooms you have to pay, and they have guards there making sure that you don't jump over the turnstile, that you paid your fee, or that you don't let two people in the turnstile to go to the bathroom. And a lot of the bathrooms don't have seats. It's just a toilet. <laughs> there's no seats. Actually, that's, you have to squat. Basically. Well, yeah, there's... There's usually no toilets. There's, um, they call them Turkish toilets, at least when I lived in France years and years ago. And it's just, you have two um, places to put your feet. And yeah, you squat. 
But that's yeah. yeah that's, I think Japan is like that too. Yeah, my it's, it's not a big deal because if you think about, that's exactly what you do if you go to a, a national forest, and you know, I would yeah. never sit on those seats. <laughs> <laughs> my, husband, my husband, my husband called it squat and pray. So we, we call that the we had to squat the Johnny Bench. I don't know if you remember him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we had that uh, showers, very different. They, a couple of hotels we had had bathtubs, but no shower doors, no nothing. <laughs> so, but there's no water. the 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 shower head, you don't have like a shower head on the wall. You had a um, one of those handheld. Yeah. So you had to turn your body so that the water was facing the front. Otherwise, water would go flying all over the bathroom. Well, you. You first of all, um, you lather up, you know, you turn it on, you lather up and then you put your shampoo and everything and then you use it just, you know, you just take it off the wall and you right. shower yourself. Yeah. Right. Right. They ha- and that's how it is in <clears throat> France, but we're just oh. used to it, I guess. Oh, because we're looking like, well, how come there's a, a door a third of the way there and the rest? There's no shower door. There's no shower curtain. Very, it was just like this is strange, and then a couple. We I think we stayed at six different hotels. A couple of them just had a shower stall. One of them, the one that when we were in Sorrento, if you weighed more than probably 180 pounds, you had a problem. You couldn't fit into the shower. Mm. That was that tiny. At one time, I had dropped the soap. I had to get out of the shower to pick it up. <laughs> Well, because you couldn't, you couldn't bend down. It's like a Winnebago. Have you ever seen those bathrooms? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was just, it was just the strangest. It was just the strangest thing. We're like, okay, so the night before we came home, we stayed at the uh, the Hilton at the, I think it was the Hilton, at uh, the airport. It had a real shower. It actually had a door. It was, you know, it had a regular shower head. I'm like this is great, but I just couldn't wait to get home and take a shower in my own house. Yeah. And no washcloths. They don't give you washcloths, and they give you one towel a person. Wow. In most places we go, we get two. Wow. One, one towel. And, oh, the other thing that, that was different, maybe they do this in France today, is you, in order to charge your, your devices, you have to put – if turn on the lights in your room, you have to put your key into the wall. No. If you take your key out – there's no electricity in your room. No, France isn't like that at all. So, in order for us to for everyone to charge their phones and iPads and so forth, we had to put the key in the in in, in the wall when we slept, but manually turn off the lights mm. in order to have electricity flowing to keep our devices charged. Mm. Otherwise, you had no light, and we just thought that was just another mm. strange thing. Mm. We learned that quick when you went into the bathroom and there was no window, and then the loves and the lights went out. And those what? The lights went out. We didn't know when we first got to Venice. We didn't know you were supposed to put the card into the wall. Oh, okay. So we we put it into the door. We got into the room. You know, I, I had to use the bathroom, and all of a sudden I'm in the dark, <laughs> like pitch black because there's no light, there's no window. Mm-hmm. And then we found out quickly, oh, that's because you have to put your key into the into that little slot mm-hmm. next to the door. That gave you electricity. When you took it out, no electricity. Mm. So 
That was my trip to Italy. <laughs> coming home wasn't as pleasant. We took United coming back. Don't recommend United. Lufthansa on the way back, huh? It was, yeah, well, United and Lufthansa are like sister companies, Star I guess. Star Alliance. Lufthansa is yeah. Star Alliance of United. Mm. So we ended up with United coming back. They were horrible. Mm. They were just horrible. But we flew into Newark and then came home. Okay. So that was our trip. To, that was my summer vacation to Italy. Mm. Did you drive, drive from Newark to get back home? Or? We, had a, we had a shuttle service, yeah. Oh, that's some distance, isn't it? Some, a long way. Um, no, it was about two and a half hours. Oh, yeah. Way. Good grief. To, yeah, we went to JFK and then uh, flew out of JFK, flew into Newark. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm. Yeah, so that we couldn't. And there was eight of us, mm-hmm. or actually there were six of us. There were six of us coming back up here. Mm-hmm. So it was just it was just easier in the long run just to hire a shuttle service and yeah. We did but, that. but once you get on on soil, United States soil, you have to get in the car to go home. That probably was relaxing. Just kick back and just close your eyes. That was it because we knew we'd be tired. Yeah, and plus we're we're flying out of two different airports. So how are we supposed to get our cars? Mm-hmm. And then pay for parking, and then when you're tired, and yeah, yeah, you know, it's like we don't want to deal with because our flight ended up being two and a half hours delayed. Ooh. On top of all of that, mm. it was, it was, it was awful. I mean, I was reading something that said they had a plug. They have you know outlets underneath the seat so you can plug in your devices. Mm-hmm. I'm looking, I can't find one. We call somebody over. Plus, my husband's movie wasn't working on the back of the seat. Mm-hmm. We're starting. We're going to sit down and watch movies. It wasn't working. She couldn't get it to work. And then they say to me, "Oh, someone must have pulled out your plug." How does someone pull out a power outlet? Mm. So we ended up going from the middle of the plane all the way to the back. Mm. It's like you are lucky there were empty seats on this plane because my husband was like not going to be happy having to sit for nine hours. Mm-hmm. Well, that's we that's up, travel, though. You know, that's yeah. travel. We ended up we ended up watching. Four movies, Ugh. seven altogether. Wow. Three going over and four coming back. Travel is no longer glamorous. That's just no. the way it like is. I said, it wasn't, going over wasn't bad at all. It was just coming back that was not pretty. Mm. You know, then knowing we have to drive another two and a half hours to get home and go through customs and everything's like, whatever. We were home by seven o'clock that night. Mm. In your own bed, in your own jammies. <laughs> in my own bed, in my own jammies. Yep. <laughs> so it was good. So, okay. Tell us about France. Jeez, okay, that's a lead-in. Um, well, I was six six weeks in France and Provence because that's where we usually um, that's where we usually go. That's where we're really trying to find a place if we can to buy we, um, after retirement. We'd love to try to do as long as we can in France, particularly uh, in the Vaucluse region, which is northern Provence, and that has the Côte de Rhone wine, vineyards everywhere. It's a little cooler than southern uh, Provence, but we were in three towns. We stayed three weeks in lille sur la sorgue which is in mid-Provence. It's not far from Avignon. Uh, lille sur la sorgue is known for their water wheels around town. We visited their... Uh, a year and a half ago, and we decided that we would go back. And I really like Lille-Sorg, and it's it's it was a great base uh, for a few weeks. 
while my husband was working and I pretty much, you know, um, traveled around and went to Roussillon and, um, again, and did some things, but it's known for its huge Saturday market, Sunday, Sunday market, no Saturday market. Sorry. I'm, I'm losing my train of thought here, Mm -hmm. but it, it's massive. So you have a food market, you have Provencal items, which, you know, uh, tablecloths, people that do uh, handwork, and then you have a whole antique market and the antiques in Lille-Slesorg, that's really what they're known for. And they have markets that are open uh, stores that are open excuse me that deal with antiques and like a flea market type of consignment uh friday saturday and sunday and then of course that is in conjunction with the big market so that was a lot of fun to go through those markets the only downside we had a beautiful little apartment that we stayed at which we loved but unfortunately with the water wheels in the town that there are a lot of mosquitoes Normally, mosquitoes don't bother me. I lived in Maine. I live in Texas. The Texas mosquitoes barely touch me. I, don't th- I think I've maybe been bitten twice. Not a big deal. But the mosquitoes, particularly in Leos of the Sorg, are tiger mosquitoes. And so they look different. They are black and white. And they, I was allergic to them. And when they bit me, they were vicious. Um, I swelled up. I ended up having to go to the pharmacist. And I bought all these products. I bought... Some anti-moustique, which uh, the word for mosquito in French is moustique, and nothing was helping. So I went back to the pharmacist, and the pharmacies in Europe are really cool, especially in France, because the pharmacist can actually diagnose yeah. uh, in some ways, and then they can, uh, through their own discretion, you know, uh, give you something. Because my husband had food poisoning when he went to England. I think he had some bad fish and chips. And they, he forgot his Cipro, which is an antibiotic that you take when you're, you know, in some countries that, um, like he takes it and in, in, brings it to India and places like that. Uh, and if you have any type of foodborne illness, it really works effectively, this antibiotic. And so they gave him the Cipro and it was wonderful because it eradicated all his symptoms. But the pharmacist here told me um, to use lavande, which is lavender oil. And I thought, what? And he said, I promise you. He said, it will take care of your mosquito bites. By golly, he was absolutely right. I went home. I put it on my mosquito bites. The next day, the swelling had gone down. I have scars from the mosquito bites, believe it or not. I have scars up and down my legs and arms, probably permanently. But uh, that was my bout with tiger mosquitoes. But you smell good in the process. Oh, I did. But it's called, <laughs> there's three different types of lavender. There's your fine lavender that is pricey. And your lavender oil, um, the, the fine lavender grows at the higher elevations in Provence. Mm-hmm. Then you have lavender, which is abundant. That grows everywhere. It's much stronger. The oil is much stronger smelling. Uh, the fine lavender oil is a little more subtle. And then you have this aspect lavender, which that's the oil he gave me, which is a product of lavender, but it's used for all sorts of purposes, for sleep, for insect bites. Um, and I'm telling you, it worked. I, I bought three bottles of it, mm-hmm. three little bottles to bring home because it was just wonderful. And the lavender was in bloom. It started to come out in bloom as well as the pictures. The pictures are beautiful. Oh, thank you. And the poppies were absolutely exquisite. And they... It's a wonderful word for poppy. It's cocolico, and I just love that word. And um, 
and the sunflowers are starting to come. And just Provence is just this abundant color and the light is beautiful. It, the mountains are beautiful. We went up to Mont Ventoux because my husband and I watched the Tour de France every year and usually they do Mont Ventoux. We stayed in Vaison La Romaine and that's really where we'd love to to stay again. We're going back next year to stay again in Vaison. We made some friends there and I love Vaison because it has an old city, the medieval city, that has a ruined chateau, has ruins of an old chateau on the hill. It's very, very quiet. So you don't have the little Vespas and the motorbikes coming up. It's a, it's very walkable and it's pretty much foot traffic only. And then you, right down the hill, you cross the Roman bridge and then you're in Vaison, the city, and it has all the amenities. It has a hospital. It has a wonderful town square where they have music, at least in the summer, they had nightly music that we would walk down. Uh, it has a lot of Roman ruins. I don't want to tell everybody about because I, I just, I want it for myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we also visited a lot of beautiful little um, medieval hilltop towns that they call uh, Les Villages Perchés, which are perched villages. And so we went to Bonnier, we went to Gold, we, we went to Lacoste, just some beautiful, beautiful uh, medieval cities. And then, of course, we went back to Arles. We spent the last week in Arles with our friends. They let us stay at their um, apartment again. And brought us down to the Carmarg, which we love, which is the wetlands of Provence, just a beautiful region. And Arles, just before I left, they had um, the Raconte d'Arles, which is a huge photography. It's it's a huge photography exposition. And I, they were just setting up for it. And I was really kind of upset that I wasn't able to, um, you know, visit that more I would have I really would have liked to have uh, been able to see that but all in all you know things are different you know in France it's I think it's nice to get out of one's comfort zone you know uh, we traveled with a dog this time and I set up an Instagram account for her widget the wonder dog Widget mm-hmm. is uh, the little Brussels Griffon that I inherited from my friend when she passed away in January. And she is the most remarkable dog I have ever uh, had as far as traveling. She, the, the flight from Dallas to Chicago and then from Chicago to Charles de Gaulle um, was about 12 hours. She, she never had an accident. I brought her into the bathroom. She just stayed in her case. We took her out of her case and put uh, uh, her between us. And um, she was absolutely never made a sound. Matter of fact, the flight attendants could not believe we even had a dog. They didn't know we had a dog with us. Um, Then in Paris, unfortunately, if you travel with a dog in Paris, people, uh, just be aware that there are not a lot, there's not a lot of green space for them to go to bathrooms. All of the major parks like the Tuileries, the Luxembourg Gardens, all of them are not dog friendly you can't bring your dog in there so it's sometimes very very hard to find a place uh we were fortunate because my friend worked for american airlines and had trained her to go on a little potty paper so when we were in the hotel there are a lot of pet friendly hotels incidentally and she went there but in provence there was not a problem at all um there was no problem with um you know green space and places for dogs to go Unfortunately, and I'm calling you out, French people, you know I love you, but you need to pick up your dog waste. Wheels to a sword. They had bags right there. And, you know, I would take a bag and everything. And 
it was ridiculous. I'm thinking, come on, man, they have the bags right there. How hard is it to to grab a bag and just pick it up? But I don't know. It's, but did they have cans disposable? Yes, yes, they have cans. Because they have the, bags. They're they're yeah. it's fabulous. Paris is awful. You you're, you're literally just like going to this obstacle course to get around the pool all on the sidewalks. Well, the same thing in Venice. They have the bags available. However, in Venice. Because it's a little island, you know, the, you know, a bunch of little islands, they have trash disposal seven days a week. And trash disposal is a man holding it with a cart and another man picking up all the trash. You, what you do is you would take your kitchen trash and you'd put it outside your door every day. And they, someone comes along and puts it in this big cart. Well, what people do is rather than taking their dog poo and putting it in a garbage can, which are all over the city, they just leave them outside of people's doors. No, jeez. I can't say anything because we had heavy item pickup this week and, and my neighborhood and somebody put their dog do on my heavy item. It's like, really, really, mm. you can't bring it home. My husband yeah. said, well, at least they picked it up. But, you know, I, I think the French ha- are better about it. Um, I will say that we had some really great wines. I am not a pink wine person. Anyone that knows me knows that I'm a red wine all the way, 100%. But Cote de Provence and Cote de Rhone are pink wines and um they're very refreshing in the summer because the french normally don't chill wines you know except uh, you know if of course if you have it in a wine refrigerator or wine cave but i mean chilled chill and those were wonderful but our favorite drink i know this is going to sound weird to you but we were in lille sorg after the market one day and we saw this couple order a beer and, and we had ordered a beer because it you know a beer just seemed like the most appropriate thing. It was so hot. It was Europe has had a, um, a lot of climatic change and they're having a real hot summer this, this, this year. So we, we ordered a beer and we noticed the waiter bringing over this other beer to this couple. And we, I asked them and he said, it's a demi peche. And what a demi peche is, it's a, it's a Pelforth where you can only find Pelforth in France, but I've been making it with using blue moon because it's a Belgian white ale. Uh, ale and you they put either peach juice or peach liqueur in it so just a little bit and I'm telling you they are so good and they are so refreshing and I I had to duplicate it when I came home and unfortunately I bought Stella Artois which was absolutely terrible I can't drink lager I'm not a real beer person but Mm. I can drink blue moon um but I did bring back some peach liqueur to make demi peches, and that was really good because normally we drink pastis when we're over there. Um, but this was very good. I highly recommend it. Try a little peach juice in your beer. I know it sounds a little odd, but it's very refreshing. Mm. And um, as far as everything else, like I said, just you know, the lavender was out. The air was just permeated with the scent of lavender, and you would just drive along these little country roads. And then the purple would assault your eyes. You could smell it. And then the, the bees, what people don't realize is that, you know, and I've always been very concerned. I'm reading some books about bees right now and the, colon, the whole colony collapse disorder um, uh, syndrome um, is that with the lavender, when you get out to take a photograph of the lavender, is that the, um, the, all you hear is humming. It's this din it's just this den, and what it is, it's the bees feeding on the lavender. It's really wonderful. And another thing is they have a lot of um, 
beekeepers around and apiaries and they um they do make a wonderful lavender honey so if you haven't been to provence i will it's it's a place after my heart mm. i just absolutely i need to turn i need to be french i did find out a very interesting thing because um when you if you want to live in europe particularly france or any of the eu companies uh countries excuse me uh you basically it's set up where if you went over there for six months, you'd have to go back to the U.S. for six months. But there is a thing called the heritage visa. Now, not all countries offer them, but I am Polish and Irish. I think I might be able to do it on my Irish side, hopefully. But if you have lineage, so basically if your grandfather or um, I think it will go far as back as your great-grandparents. I, I'm going to speak with the Irish embassy in a couple of weeks. That like my great grandfather came over during the potato famine in Ireland. And there is something where if you have a heritage, um, you know, a lineage of like Irish or Poland, might be a little bit harder because they go by bloodlines and you have to be an unbroken bloodline. Um, if like, so if my father wasn't Polish cause it's patrilineal, um, I would, I would not be considered Polish, even though my grandfather and my great grandfather were. But Ireland, you can get a heritage visa. And if you apply for a heritage visa, basically that allows you the privileges of being in an EU company, uh, country. Excuse me. I don't, I don't know why I keep saying company. But so if you had a heritage visa, you wouldn't necessarily give up your U.S. visa. You would just be able to travel to Europe. You could work in Europe. You could own property in Europe and not have that stipulation of having to return you know, every six months, which would be nice. Now, tax-wise, I don't know. That's something I have to look into because, you know, the Americans love their taxes. But um, I, I still think you would be able to have it and, you know, you still pay taxes to the U.S. So anyway, I'm, I'm trying. I should write a whole blog on how to be French or how or becoming French. That's what I should say. Becoming French. <laughs> I yeah. said to my husband, I figured the other way, I said, you know, my husband, I've been married almost 30 years. I said, what I could do, Mike, is we could divorce. <laughs> I could marry a, I could, I could go on Craigslist or something, a French Craigslist, just <laughs> ask to be married to a Frenchman and then divorce him and then remarry Michael. And then I'd be French. So <laughs> <laughs> we'd be all set. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't perfect. go for that. No, he so, didn't so, like that idea So at all. How, how, how successful was with a widget's uh, debut in Paris? <laughs> she it was hysterical. I made two berets for her. I made a red one and a black one. So we decided to go to the Eiffel Tower one night because we never go to the Eiffel Tower. I mean, we we go to Paris, but pretty much Paris, you know, we don't do the touristy thing anymore. I lived there for a year and, you know, we just we just don't. Um, we really like to go to the museums, but they really uh, this year, nothing. Um, there wasn't any exhibition that was like a, a must-see as far as I was concerned anyway. So we went to the Eiffel Tower, and we got her set up, and we um, put her beret on, and all of a sudden, everybody, oh, oh I'm, I'll tell you, if somebody knocks me with a selfie stick, I'm going to take that selfie stick, and I'm going to knock them over the head with it. Oh, the selfie sticks were ridiculous. But everybody just came in and they closed in. It was almost intimidating. I, I've never, you know, I've never been a celebrity, but everybody, all the Chinese and Japanese tourists, American tourists, the French came over and they were all taking pictures of her uh, as we set her up in, in her little scarf and her beret. So 
It was very successful. She made a lot of friends. People fell in love with her. Uh, they got a huge kick out of her because she hates pigeons, and she would just go nuts. Scary. <laughs> I don't blame her. I don't like birds. The either. thing that was really amusing is the French must not give their ice cream to their dogs because Widget loves gelato, and she likes mm-hmm. vanilla gelato. So one night, um, I went, this was in Lille Sula Sword. I went uh, to the little gelato place and I ordered, you know, a gelato. And I had her with me, I had her in my arms. And it was just a little gelato place. And I ordered a gelato. And the woman said, you know, pour la chien, I, for the dog. I said, yes. And she started laughing. She laughed so hard she was crying. And I'm thinking, <laughs> what's so funny about. <laughs> I'm definitely missing something culturally here because I don't understand. I mean, that's just not a big deal. We always, yeah. we've owned dogs forever. We've always given our dogs vanilla ice cream in the summer. Well, I sat her down and I just put it into a little dish and people were taking pictures of her and the French were coming up and they were saying, oh, elle gourmande, which is, she's a gourmet. And, and mm. I just couldn't understand it, but they were fascinated and they were mm-hmm. laughing at her. But did she, have her, did she have her little beret on? <laughs> no, she did not. She no, was, they, they, they were just fascinated with her eating ice cream. Huh? Uh, I guess they don't give dogs ice cream over there. but Whereas, you, know, you know it's not very good for them, but, you know, it won't kill them. Well, just a little bit. Dairy is not good for dogs, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a little not gonna kill her. Yeah. Well, gelato is really not kind of dairy, kind of in a way. Not kind of, <laughs> not, a, not a, in a way. It's probably because they don't. They probably do they snack. In, 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 you know, in, that's interesting you should say that because, you know, the fr- yeah. I have noticed something, and people are probably not going to like me saying this, but I have noticed, especially in southern France, that the women are more like Americans as far as the build. I mean, you have a lot of northern French that uh, reside, you know, uh, have retired in southern France, but the people are not skinny in southern France. I mean, mm. they're not skinny. They are average, maybe a little overweight, but they're not skinny, skinny like um, per, and even Parisians are not, I, I see a lot more average Parisians and not the ultra thin. Um, mm-hmm. But you're right, they do smoke. But I think that's, I, I, at least with the people we uh, were with, didn't smoke at all. They, I think that a lot of French are now not smoking. They're becoming a little more health conscious. No, no, no. I was saying, like, do they snack? I think that's- as far as snacking, there's, un, I, this, it, this saddens me in many ways. Because um, it used to be when you would go and visit France, you'd have your little epicerie, which was your little grocery store. And it, it just had the foods. They didn't snack. If they snacked, I mean, they don't normally snack, but they, they spread out their meals. Because you don't mm-hmm. eat until like eight or nine in France, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And you might have a beer and maybe, um, you know, like a, um, some nuts or, you know, uh, something like that. Uh, maybe a little yogurt. But they don't snack like Americans. Now yeah. they, they have ginormous supermarkets and they have all American snacks in there. And I'm, I know there's a correlation now. And what saddens me is you see these huge markets um, like the casino and the uh, big, you know, Carrefour. And they, they rival the U.S. grocery stores. They're like this, uh, like mm-hmm. a huge Costco. And I worry about the markets. I worry about the farmers and about these, you know, this this new um, 
type of change is are we going to see you know the farmers with their chickens and their and the cheese and all of that the, all the things that make French culture so French and so wonderful mm-hmm. um, I'm just worried about that because I really get tired of seeing American stuff everywhere I really do mm-hmm. see that I did not see that in Italy oh there was no other than I saw there was a McDonald's in Florence and our uh, what someone said they have pasta there. <laughs> okay, still not going. And in Rome, we saw one McDonald's and one Burger King, mm-hmm. but there was no Olive Garden, no Subway, no Kentucky Fried Chicken. Oh, there was no no fast food restaurants, and no ch- other than Hard Rock Cafe, there was no chain restaurants of any kind. Mm-hmm. Oh, see, there is that in was, France. There's you know you have your Subway, your Pizza Hut, you have all mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. Well, no, not not saying that there wasn't any. Yeah. But. But in Rome, and we were all over Rome. We were in a good portion of Rome. Nothing. I mean, and I couldn't even find an Apple store. Mm. I asked. I asked a police officer, "Where's the Apple store?" And he said, "Too far from here to walk." I'm like, "Okay, mm. never mind." Oh, they have a couple in in Paris, but I think um, I think as far as snacking though, um, Vicky, they still. The French, what I love about French culture is they eat seasonally, and it's very important to them. So say, for instance, when we were there, the cherries were out and oh, they just they were fabulous cherries. And you would just drive along and see these wonderful, beautiful orchards of cherries. But at the end of our trip, I went to buy cherries and one of my French friends said, oh, no, 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 no. Cherries are gone. You don't want the cherries now. They're gone. I said, but they're still available. She said, yeah, but they're not very good. She said, now it's peaches. You have to go for peaches now. And you can't just eat. You just have to be careful about the peaches. You have to get them from this vendor because the other vendor sells them for jam and they're not Mm -hmm. juicy. You want to buy them from this and it's this whole mentality of what is in season that you eat. And I love that because mm-hmm. everything you eat is flavorful. The strawberries are flavorful. They're small. They're not the ginormous. Uh, I've been using that word a lot. They're not the, the large um, strawberries that, you know, come from Driscoll's, you know, mm-hmm. out in California where they just grow them all year round. The strawberries there are just available for a certain window of time, and they're flavorful. They taste like strawberries. That's what I really love about that Mm -hmm. culture. Mm -hmm. And the snacking that we did, we were invited to a um, uh, this in Vaison. This this man and this gallery owner had invited us to his home for a glass of wine. So we brought a bottle of wine. Well, it wasn't just a glass of wine. They had other people there and it was a spread. And I said, oh, I didn't realize. He said, oh, no, you. this is an apro. And, you know, it's the hour for an aperitif. And they put on a very light, um, I would say a light dinner because it was a beautiful tomato and cheese and basil salad, like a caprese salad. Uh, they had a, a board of cheeses. They had bread. Uh, you know, and so they, they eat healthy, they eat fresh. So I wouldn't, but the snacking, I have never seen anybody open up a, like a, a bag of chips and snack. At least mm-hmm. I don't see that, but it is available. That's what saddens me is that mm-hmm. is available. And that I, I, I'd hate to see that. Yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. All right. You want to get over to me? I'm, I stayed stateside. Um, I, was going to go to D.C. with my niece for a tour for school, but I end up um, not being able to go. Um, and I instead, the week before, I had friends from college that I hadn't seen in over 20 years. 
Um, I had lost contact with her. She moved to Africa and Ghana, Africa and in, in, in Ghana, uh, her and her husband. And I went to college with both, both of them. But she came out and my friend, um, my best friend from Arizona came out. And uh, she, uh, my friend, um, the one from Ghana's name's Rose, brought a friend of hers up. And we they, they came and stayed in my house for a while. We had cooked and talked, drank wine, and did all of the things girls do when they get together. And then we drove up to, to Sonoma because we have friends that live in Santa Rosa. And we did this wine thing for the two of the, uh, for Rose and her friend Karen uh, because they had never been to the, Sonoma, uh, to the Sonoma wine country before. So we went to Iron Horse, which is where one of my friends work. Uh, and Iron Horse is known, uh, is a vineyard known for um, um, the champagnes. Um, so, and it has this beautiful, 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 beautiful view. And their tasting room was right on the top of this hill. So you have this beautiful view of uh, the Sonoma County uh, countryside. And you see um, the vineyards of uh, Chardonnay and Pinot, and Pinot grapes. And um, it's just unbelievable view. And we're sipping champagne. We bought our own wine, cheese and crackers and everything. But um, that is one of the most beautiful views and one of the nicest tasting rooms. Because it's right there out in the open. It's not even fancy. It's just you, you, you have these little tables with canopies over it. And you can just turn around and look at the view and just enjoy yourself. So that was where's the first. Where, where's this again, Vicky? Oh, it's in Sonoma County. Uh, it's uh, Iron Horse Vineyard. It's, it's, Iron it's Horse a, Vineyard. Okay. It's a basketball, California. Okay. And then after that, we went to um, VML. This is a new vineyard. I had never been there before. Uh, um, my friend Brett, who works for Iron Horse, um, and his partner are have a um, uh, a young kid that they are. It's actually one of them's uh, cousin. Uh, his girlfriend w- works there, and. Um, it's, uh, I had never been there before. It's, it's called VML, and it's named after the winemaker Virginia Marie Lambrie. Uh, hmm. And um, we had a really nice little wine tasting. Uh, it's, in, it's, 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 all, it's in Hillsburg, California. It's this little nice little combination of food that you can you can use that you can um, pair with your wines. So that was really nice, and they have a beautiful, beautiful garden that you set. You can sit down and you can sit inside or outside in the garden area. That was really beautiful. And you, and you can also take a tour inside and you can see the, their cakes of wine and take samplings of uh, wines right out of the barrel. So that was fun. Um, and then uh, the big thing was that that night we went to a lobster fe- uh, fe- uh, feast at Lassiter Winery. And that was that's how we ended the evening. I wasn't very impressed with the lobster. I think it was overcooked. But um, the appetizers were good. The champagne was good. And the company was good. So we had a really, really nice day. And next day, they sat Sunday. We, went, we all drove back. I dropped them off the airport. But it was just fun just to hang out with my friend I hadn't seen in years. And uh, we just picked up where we left off. <laughs> that's <laughs> wonderful. Is really Isn't that always good? I, yeah. I think that's great. Yeah, so she's gonna come out again. She's gonna make it a regular thing, so we don't get lose contact anymore. So, now was it? And maybe Maine eventually lobster? I go. To, huh? Was it Maine lobster? Um, I don't think so. 
Oh, you got to have Maine lobster. It was very and it was overcooked. It literally was overcooked. I wonder if that was langoustine because you need Maine lobster. Yes, you do. I know. I know. I've had Maine lobster. (laughs) (laughs) You would love that area, Suze. Sonoma. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been there several times. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We went in 2009. Yeah. We went to you know, went to Sterling, went to uh, Stags Lee, yep. Beringers. You know, they're they're they're. One of my favorites is um, Visatui because you can't buy their wine around, and that's a beautiful old vineyard. I love Visatui. We, my husband and I, always make a a stop there, and we always end up buying um, you, a bunch of wine. You have to realize when you go back east and find those wine wines in the grocery store, they could be mocked up almost one hundred percent. So it's best for you to buy it and have it shipped out to your yeah. house. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, we, I, I, when I moved back east from uh, from California, I never bought wine in the grocery store. Cause I, it was just like it's worse than it's, it's worse than buying it in a in, in a restaurant. It's just marked up so much. I'm I like, know. I would never. I was like, that's a twenty dollar bottle of wine. You want me to pay sixty for it? Are you crazy? You know. So. We don't have we don't have wine in the grocery store. Which is why my husband owns a liquor store. Oh, that's right. That's right. You're, you're, oh yeah, Massachusetts. Yeah. It's the same way. You have to go to the packy. Too. I have to go to the packets. Yeah, it's like store. I grew up thinking because we had <laughs> liquor stores in Tennessee, and I grew up thinking that liquor stores are where winos and, and drunks hang out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what's funny in Texas because there's dry counties and wet counties is that you do mm-hmm. still have liquor stores here. Yeah, uh, depending on what county, because there's still dry counties here. In yeah, Texas. those blue laws. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in Missouri, that's where I went to, to college. You couldn't sell wine on. Uh, and, and liquor on Sundays. Yep, Maine, Maine yeah. just changed that years ago. But yeah, yeah Maine was like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, it used to be Sundays at noon. Yeah, because when I worked in a grocery store, I worked Sunday mornings at six a.m. Mm-hmm. People would put beer in their cart, and I'd say, "Sorry, you can't." They would, buy they it would have that whole section barred off. You know, Texas, off. they would look at me. Yeah. They would look at me like it was my fault or the store's fault. I'm like, it's New York State law. Yeah. It, and now I think it's 7 a.m. Yeah, well, Texas, sure. it's still like 11 or 12 here. Uh-huh. And most most of your, like, uh, big liquor stores are not open on Sundays here. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, when I brought my son through Napa, after he graduated from college, we stayed in Napa. And um, he, he because he's a Francis Ford Coppola fan, he wanted to go to that um, vineyard. And that's more northern um, Napa. Yeah. So we went in there. And actually, that was interesting. But it was in a state of... Um, people because they were building a big um, addition on because uh, Francis Ford Coppola yeah yeah it was six years six years ago no, no, uh, no. Five, five years ago it was five years ago okay. uh, he's building he wanted to do uh, a room with all his memorabilia and I guess oh, oh that's different against, okay okay yeah 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 okay. four or yeah. five years ago but he wanted to build a big room onto this um, his winery in order to have all his film memorabilia for an events room. So I, this year, we're, we were going to go to Napa this year, but we're going to Oregon instead, and we're going to do the Willamette uh, wine oh, yeah, store yeah, after yeah, Thanksgiving because yeah. my childhood friend lives there, and she always says, come to, for, to Oregon for Thanksgiving. So we're doing that this year, but maybe next year we'll do Napa because I, I love Napa. My neighbors just went, and they had a ball. You know, it's it's. I, I, I like to drink American wines for, for, for our American holidays like Christmas and Thanksgiving, but I'm really, really, really very partial to French and Italian wines. I, I'm sort of not into American wines anymore, but there's some really great ones. And, and the Pinots from the 
we met area. Oh my God, those are unbelievably good. So. Well, you know what's interesting about the the Willamette Valley and their and their Pinots in Oregon is that Dick Erath of you know Erath Vineyard fame, Pinot fame, he really put Pinots on the map in Oregon. Mm-hmm. He he, um, I think he had. I'm not sure if he did an actual retirement home um, in Wilcox uh, in Arizona, mm-hmm. but he did. Um, he is there now in Arizona, and he is again. He's just um, doing some really great wines in Arizona, and he hooked up with Dos Cabezas, Todd Bostock, uh, mm-hmm. and they've done they've done a couple of collaborative wines, and you can't grow Pinot. Um, in Arizona. So they do the more hardy wines because it's, you know, the desert climate where you have the hot days and the cool nights. So they do a lot of like uh, Tempranillo, Sangiovese, Morvedra, and Cabernet Franc. And they do some fabulous, fabulous wines in Sonoida um, in Arizona. If you want to check out a really good winery, uh, check out Dos Cabezas. Uh, Todd mm-hmm. and Kelly Bostock, we've been in their wine club for years, and they put on some really great, great wines. But mm-hmm. I like the fact that Todd is learning from a master like uh, Dickie Rath. I just think that's really nice that they do collaborative wines because when someone has such a vast store of knowledge, especially with winemaking, you know, to bring it to a new generation of winemaker is really exciting to see. Yeah. Yeah. So some fa- fabulous Arizona wines. And Texas has some really good wines as well down in Fredericksburg. They have a whole wine country down in Fredericksburg and do some really interesting wines mm-hmm. there as well. So it's it's funny how Napa used to be this huge, you know, that was the go-to place for wines. And now you see it spreading in the sun. Yeah, sun- actually, I actually prefer Sonoma County over Napa. Napa's too touristy. I go to Napa during the off-season. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. Well, and New York has some great wineries, too, from what I understand. I don't really, I haven't really explored that, Elisa, but I've heard northern, in the Lakes region. Yeah, the Finger Lakes, which I'm going to get to in a second, because um, what I wanted to say is, um, due to circumstances beyond my husband's control, come October 1st of this year, God knows when he's going to get another vacation. We're probably looking at May or June of next year, if we're lucky. So, which means the trip to Aruba that we were going to take in January is not happening. So, I am calling this summer the summer of us. Because we are going, we are doing. (laughs) We got back from, when we got back from Italy, in June, Father's Day weekend, we took the train to Madison Square Garden. We had never been to Madison Square Garden before. We saw Billy Joel. For the um, for the umpteenth <laughs> time, that was his fa- that was his Father's Day present. But that was kind of cool because the stars were in alignment. I have a cousin who lives in Long Island. He came in to meet us. My brother and sister in law live in Pennsylvania. They were in New York City because they had seen a concert the night before. So we all met at the train station, and had lunch. Mm-hmm. So that was nice. And then we walked around New York City, went to see Billy Joel, which which was a good show. Then on July first, I flew to North Carolina to see my son. And saw the Rolling Stones. Oh wow! Bucket, how how are bucket the old geezers? <laughs> they were awesome. They Mick Jagger turned seventy-two this month. Unbelievable! He's a great grandfather. Oh, the show was least. my second favorite. My second favorite <laughs> yeah. show behind Paul McCartney last summer. Mm. Another another old timer, but they were fantastic. Two hours and ten minutes. They were they were amazing. My son was you know he was thrilled. So that was a, that was my Mother's Day present. So that was a great show. Mm-hmm. Then, 
last week and this past weekend, we drove to my brother and sister-in-law's house in Pennsylvania. Saturday, we drove straight across New Jersey to the shore, spent the day at the shore. Now, here's the funny thing. We, we went to Belmar. We leave our stuff. We walk up the boardwalk and we're heading north and we're just and you're just kind of walk from city to city to city. Commun- actually, like communities. We walk up to Asbury Park, which when I looked on Google Maps, it said it was two miles that we had walked. So we're just walking and we're pointing things out. And I went, oh, look, over there is the Stone Pony. And that's where a lot of famous people have performed. So then we turn around and we walk back. We're driving home on Sunday. My sister-in-law sends me a text and she said, we were so close. And I look at the link. That evening, that Saturday evening when we were on the shore, a local band played at the Stone Pony. 20 minutes into the show, Bruce Springsteen I was going to say, that's where Bruce, Bruce's uh, stomping grounds are. Bruce Springsteen <laughs> showed up and played for two hours. Oh, man. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Because as we're walking through Asbury Park, I was saying, wouldn't it be cool if we saw Bruce Springsteen walk the by? Or Southside, or Southside Johnny or, or Bon Jovi. Wouldn't it be cool if one of them just walked by? Knowing that that's not going to happen. A couple hours later, there's Bruce Springsteen. Oh, like, man. You've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. Oh, well. So tomorrow night, I've got some friends coming up from out of town, and the four of us are going to see Def Leppard. Gosh, you're into concerts, aren't you? <laughs> I, I love my – I told you, I'm making up for what my parents wouldn't let me do when I was a kid. <laughs> um, so see Bruce, we're going to see Def Leppard and Sticks. Mm. Then getting back to what you were saying, Suzanne, in September – we are taking a couple of days off. Um, we're going to Cleveland to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which we went to in 1997. And if you like music, this place is incredible. Just I loved it. So it's been almost 20 years. So we're going back there to check it out. Then when we come back, we haven't made up. We haven't made a final decision yet, but we are going to a winery. Oh, good. So my brother and sister-in-law do that occasionally, and they gave us a, a recommendation for a bed and breakfast. So I'm going to call there. And then we're going to find a winery. You don't drink. You don't drink wine. <laughs> I don't. I'm just. It's something my husband. Well, it's okay. about time you started drinking wine. Wine's good I, for your heart. I don't like it. Oh. I have nothing against it. I just don't like it. Yeah. I mean, I try it now. If and then I, I can drink more. beer, if I can learn to like beer, I'm the same way. I'm not crazy about beer. It has to be something yeah. really flavorful or something like that added well, to it. Yeah, I mean, I went to I went to Napa. Yeah, yeah but you, you didn't yeah. drink wine, though, did you? No, I just kind of I just listened uh, to the tours we had, and I let my yeah. husband do the taste. The venues are pretty, so yeah. Yep. See, I never drank yes. beer until I was in Germany in November, and I started drinking the Weiss beer, and my husband was so happy. Until we came home, and we would buy some Weinstefan, which is, you know, there it's like ninety euro. It's under a euro, so it's cheap, cheap. Here it's three dollars a bottle, and I was going, I was drinking his his vice beer and he said what happened to my bottle of ice beer I said, oh i drank it i said hey you got to be careful what you wish for now i like it like, oh man yeah, go I, back to I wine drink, <laughs> if i drink wine i can drink um i like Fresnay champagne and um oh what's the other riesling those mm. are pretty lightweight yeah those yeah. would yeah, because they're very sweet yeah, i don't like sweet Fresnay is dry but to me it tastes sweet and I can drink. Um, oh, I can't think. Is it Saint Germain? I can't remember the name of it. It's a it's a German Riesling. Mm. Um, it's either that or Relax. 
but I'm talking, I drink, like, fill my cup up about half an inch. Oh, that's sad. That's just plain sad. You know, I have access to anything I want. I, you you know, know, I have nothing against it. Have a glass of wine. That's right. Your husband owns a store. Yeah. So he'll bring things home and he'll say, try this. And I try it and I make my usual face. Oh, and, man. Oh, my God. That is just, a crying just, shame here. Oh. I just don't like it. Nothing against it. If you want to have a glass of wine or if you want to have a cocktail, go for it. You're not a lush. I'm You'll never a be a lush. <laughs> I'm not a hard liquor person, but I, I'm I, not do love, I love wine. I, I have not, a whole wine fridge upstairs full of wine. Me too. <laughs> As a, yeah, as a matter of fact, when yeah. we were bringing, we had to buy another suitcase when we came back. And my husband, yeah, we had to buy bubble wrap. That was that was interesting because they don't have bubble wrap. You have to, it's very, um, you have to go to the post office to buy bubble wrap mm-hmm. in France. They don't carry it at like a supermarket. Um, oh, they have, it, they have it at Monsieur Bricolage, which is like a Home Depot. They do have it there. But my husband spent one day in Arl just packing everything up. And he looked at me and he said, we are not in the export business. And I said, but we could be. And we were lucky because nothing broke. I mean, he does a really good job. And I always throw, that's another thing. So they let you, they let you put that in underneath the plane? Oh, yeah. You, you can put anything you want in, in a checked-in bag. I would highly But I don't think that they will let you bring wine. Oh, oh yeah. We did. Oh, that's we right. A couple bottles of wine. That's, 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 that's interstate. Yeah, I always, I always. That's, that's inter, that's inter, you, you can't sometimes send it interstate right. here in the United States. Not I, oh. right. I usually yeah. we always yeah, bring back um, Henri Boudin uh, pasties. It's wonderful. We always get that, and then um, we usually buy some wines that we absolutely know we cannot find here, and mm. um, and of course, then I brought back the peach lurker, and then you know I bring back Nutella. Because the Nutella, just uh, if for Nutella fans out there, the Nutella that is sold in the United States is not the same Nutella that's sold in the EU. Um, mm-hmm. Europe, it's different. It tastes different. It's more chocolatey. It, it, it here, it's made in Canada, and it's just it's a it's a pale comparison. So I have like four huge jars of Nutella. Then I had to bring back lavender honey. And then, oh, my gosh. And I brought back some dishes. And so, yeah, I mean, we had a whole suitcase. And But I, I think another thing is if you're bringing back breakable things, the TSA, my, my husband calls them his love letters because if they check your baggage, they usually will put a letter in there. But sometimes when they're looking for things, they don't rewrap them. Usually they're good, but some, we've had things in the past that have been broken. I think it's always good to write a letter um, I usually put it in French and English, just asking them very nicely that uh, that we have breakable food items. Um, so, I mean, we have food items in breakable jars. So if they could just rewrap uh, everything so um, there wouldn't be a mess, we'd really appreciate it. And, you know, everything has always been wrapped in like TSA um, packaging. Again, they've done a really nice job. That's just an added. You can also have the airlines put fragile. They'll put a fragile sticker. But I've also read that baggage handlers, if they see a fragile sticker, they throw it even harder. So. Oh. <laughs> oh, have you ever seen them do that? Yeah. So I think I'd rather not doing the fragile sticker. I'll just put the note in my, my luggage. But that's just a tip for traveling. Mm, that's a good idea. And you know another thing I noticed? Uh, my husband doesn't like Lufthansa as much as I do because the pitch of the seat. He doesn't like he doesn't like the pitch of the seat. But I will and we could not travel on an upgrade, although we did on the way back with Widget because uh, 
in business and first you can't put a dog in there so they don't allow you to travel you have to but he always gets the the premier plus seating so it gives you extra leg room but I will say is that I noticed people were not putting down their seats you know the big brouhaha uh, a while ago where a woman mm-hmm. threw um a glass of water at a guy that had put the knee defender you know on the mm-hmm. seat I thought people were very respectful. I thought that was really nice. I mean, we on the way back, we had a French-American football team. So these are French guys, huge. Think of big linebackers here. They're French. They don't get paid at all, but they love American football. And they come over to the U.S. to play American football. And they never put, they put their seat back. And I, I tapped on his shoulder. I said, you can put your seat back. No, no, no. You know, he said, no, sabah. But... I thought that was so respectful. So I, I'm, I'm seeing a little more res- respect, I think, from airline passengers about the seat going back. I don't know if you noticed it, Elisa, but I was pretty impressed over that. Mm. Yeah, seemed to, I don't know, seemed well, okay. Everybody was watching movies. Yeah, but even still, usually will people, when they, a lot of people will come and the first thing you do is you'll, um, you know, you put your stuff down on the trade table and wham, next thing you know, your mm-hmm. trade table is in your stomach. And yeah, they, they, they kill your laptop. <laughs> exactly. And I yeah. noticed that people were not putting their seat backs as often. So I thought that was, I thought that was kind of cool, actually. I don't yeah. put my seat back. If somebody's behind me, I don't bother putting my seat back. Or if I absolutely have to, if it's a long flight, I ask permission. I'll say, you know, would it bother you if I put my seat back? And they usually, but I only put it back a little bit. I don't go all the way ever. Mm. So We didn't going over to Italy because we couldn't figure out how to do it. <laughs> it, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a simple hood a button there was uh-huh. something hidden that we just said eh we weren't sleeping anyway mm. so what difference does it make yeah it's hard to, it's we hard to it sleep on long i don't know how anybody can sleep on a plane i usually just watch you know movies so i i can't but my like i said before my husband's the kind where the, the passengers are still boarding and he's snoring away he did not sleep on the plane not even for a minute either direction nor did he sleep on the train coming home from Madison Square Garden and we did not get back to our house till a quarter or 3 in the morning mm. and so our train was about 11 was about almost midnight leaving new york so he thought okay you know got up early couple hours down on the train we walked all over new york city we took the high line walked all over the place you know sat through the concert the drive home he thought, I'm going to be out like a light. Nothing. Vicki, are you going to, is your new, is your new news for everyone? Your, your news? What, what news? Oh, <laughs> yeah. How soon we forget. <laughs> oh, that I'm going back to school? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. To I, a nurse practitioner. I'm, I'm done with IT. I mean, I'm not done with IT. I just don't want to work in that field anymore. My heart's not in it, you know, and I, I've done it for too many years and stuff is becoming too routine. I'm doing the same stuff over there. I'm just forcing myself to do. And as I said before, when I went on job interviews, I was like yarning in my interview. Oh my God, this is so boring. When well, your um, heart's not in anymore, that's it's it. Not, that's it's not. With nursing, but I always think it's wonderful. New nurses coming into the profession. I yeah, mean, I, I want to do psych. I, I really do want to be. Oh uh, gosh! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, listeners, send all your medical <laughs> questions to Doctor Vicky <laughs> at gmail dot com. Oh man, <laughs> that's exciting, Vicky! Congratulations! Yeah. Yes. Awesome. 
I really okay. do. Well, and I give you kudos because I could never do psych. I could never do psych. I, I really couldn't. I think that's awesome because yeah. psych is hard. People don't realize mm-hmm. how difficult. Um, you don't see tangible results right away like you do yeah. with nursing. You know, I can mm-hmm. like with orthopedics or post open heart where I used to work. You know, people heal. They get better. They go home. Psych is not like no. that. So no. good for you. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah. I'm so excited for you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> So we're going to wrap up this episode. We still have a whole lot more to talk about. We're going to save that for next time. I have some new photo apps to talk about the next time. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. And I have, yep, and I've got a, a home automation fail. Oh. Uh, so oh. we have to talk about that next okay. time. So a little sneak preview there. So um, listeners, we would love to get your feedback, your travel experiences or show ideas or anything you would like to talk to us about. So you can find all our information on 3geekyladies.com with the number three spelled out. And that will give you links to Facebook, to Twitter, to Google Plus, our email. So please, we'd love to hear from you. Love to get a review in the iTunes store so it helps other people find the show. And I want to say thanks so much for listening. We're glad to be back and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. And then I'm moving my whole base of operations to Universal Studios. <laughs> Old guys wandering around. I just can't imagine what could possibly, possibly go wrong. <laughs> We're watching you too. Yeah. We're the clueless hosts of the MyMac podcast. Thank you so very, very much for downloading the MyMac.com podcast. We really, really do appreciate it. (sighs) Tell me about it. (laughs) People like us. Apparently, people like to respond on Facebook to hairy, bald guys who said stupid things. That's not good. Why don't you bring us in?